Let's get that saga. I got the email to redeem my DVT-1, and I went through the process, tried to redeem it, and then I started getting an error code that told me that I couldn't actually redeem it, which is unfortunate because I, like, I jumped into Coinbase, topped off my USDC balance, transferred mm -hmm. it to my wallet to finish up the payment, and it won't let me do it. So I'm in the process of trying to open a support ticket, I guess, inside the Solana Mobile Discord. Because I want the phone. Oh, for sure. I'm embarrassed to say I finished my payment with a credit card. Oh, wow. How like, how like web one of you? So web one. I mean, I feel like I had good reason. I just did a bunch of bookkeeping for my business for 2022. Like the hardest part was all the transactions that were business related that I did through a crypto wallet. I just don't have a good setup yet for it. So mm. I got to figure that out. Yeah, I saw your tweet about crypto taxes and having to deal with that and stuff. And like in the U.S. especially, because we're both based in the U.S., the way that the U.S. handles crypto taxes is, and I'll be nice when I say this, it's the dumbest way ever. And that's the only nice way to put it. It's terrible. Like I can get behind paying taxes. I'm, you know, American citizen, like sure. Taxes are unfortunately a required part of modern society, but the way that taxes are being handled for crypto is just the dumbest way ever. So one, I agree, like taxes are unfortunately like a necessity. I think there's a bunch of stuff that like we couldn't do without it, but there's gotta be a better way. But every time I try to like thought experiment it and think through what the right type of tax approach would be, I don't know that, I don't know that there'd be any there'd be one better. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think well, one of the problems with, especially the US, and the US is really lagging behind in crypto in a lot of ways, but one of those key ways is, is taxes and how we're handling them. And I think there could be like minor improvements, A, giving like actual clear guidance other than basically an IRS like memo from like four years ago. Yes. It's like really the only guidance of how crypto taxes are handled. And... The thing with crypto is that there's so many different use cases and it's a new paradigm that our old antiquated systems don't fully recognize of how to appropriately fit this square peg in the round hole. And we need clear guidance for one and like clear thought on how to best do it. And there, there's been some, um, I've seen, I remember back, uh, oh God, it was probably like a year ago at this point. There was a bunch of the CEOs of the big companies like Coinbase, and they were all presenting in front of Congress, and they were talking about ways that the U.S. already has existing infrastructure and government agencies to regulate certain aspects of crypto, giving it to certain agencies, not just all of crypto is one particular agency, because crypto is so many different types of assets in one. That's interesting. As you're talking, I was like, what if, so a quick like analogy, I guess, before I say what I was going to say in the U.S., at least with business entities, there are pass through entities like an LLC, right? Or a partnership. So like my business is structured as an LLC. You can elect different ways of being taxed. So I can, I can basically elect whether or not my LLC should be taxed as a sole proprietor, as a partnership as an S-Corp, as a C-Corp, right? And all of those have different things. And I can't just change it every year without penalties. 
But what it does is it allows me to have a fairly simple business structure for when it, it's just me. For a long time, it was just me. Now I have a couple employees. But for like a small thing, it allows me to have like a really simple business structure and not have to worry about incorporating and that kind of stuff. But I can elect to be taxed the same and get the same tax advantages of uh, an S-corp is, is the way that I have elected. So I almost wonder if there should be something similar with crypto where it's like this group is going to release a new token. They need to elect beforehand what that token is going to be. Is it currency? Is it a security? Is it property? And there's probably new classes of taxation that would need to be created altogether in addition to what already exists. But it almost feels like, yeah, we should have more granular ways of classifying tokens for tax purposes. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But I think the aspect of, and you're right, like how the, the ability to swap between different taxation types or different entity types kind of deal. That's good in theory, I think, for crypto. But because of the fast moving nature of crypto, having that one year requirement where you take a penalty if it's not, if it's like within a year or, or whatever the exact verbiage is, with the fast moving nature of crypto, I think that would also hinder a lot of things. You mean like short term capital gains tax versus long term? No, like like you were saying for an LLC, you can opt in to be an S corp or a C corp based off an LLC oh, or a sole proprietorship, depending on yeah. various factors. But like having that as a one year mark of you get a penalty if you change between C or S corp within that one year time frame or, or whatever it is, because crypto moves so quickly because it's new technology, right? And that every single token could really be multiple of those new asset classes it just circles back to my original comment of square peg in a round hole like we need actual from the ground up like a framework from the ground up provided by government entities to to operate under and operate within i get the whole square peg ground hole thing but also the the challenge the frustration rather around taxing something that uh, is variable in value, like its value goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it, go it goes down. Like that's something that already exists with typical securities, right? It's very frustrating, I presume as a trader to be like, yeah, sure, I'm buying and selling, buying and selling, but it doesn't feel like liquidation to me. It's like, I'm just treating my portfolio as a whole and trying to maximize the value of the portfolio. And, you know, I'm getting taxed for all of these things that like to them don't feel like it should be a taxable event. And we've just settled on some rules where it's like, yeah, that's the way it is. I'm okay with just settling on some rules, but right now it feels very, it feels like there aren't any. No and it, it feels, yeah, like yeah. you said, it's like everyone's just going off of this IRS memo from who knows when and which like I haven't looked at personally. I don't know. I don't mind there being some rules. I think if we had enough buckets that you could choose from, then I could just say, do I want to buy this token knowing that that token is taxed as property or, oh, that's going to be taxed as currency or that's going to be taxed. It's like, at least then I can make an informed decision about whether I want to deal with that type of tax headache or whether I want to deal with a different type of tax headache. Yeah. And I mean, like, so when you, when you file your taxes, you have to pay taxes depending on what the individual thing is, different types of goods and services, you pay different tax rates. And then also if you're in a different state or if you're interacting with people in another country, you're going to pay different tax rates based off all of those factors. So like I'm in Connecticut and Connecticut sales taxes say, I actually have no idea what it is. 
say it's like 5% or 10% or whatever it is for like electronic goods and services. Like if you were to provide like out of the box software, you pay 10% sales tax and then the whatever it gets passed to the entity and they handle all of it. But then for say, if you were a car rental organization, you pay a different sales tax on the income you generate from renting out your car to individuals. Within the US, there's already these different tax brackets that when you as a company go to file your taxes, you have to say, I generated X amount of income from this type of income, Y amount from this other type of income. So like, why can't we do the same thing with crypto? That would just, it just makes so much sense. Also, if there were clear rules and if tokens were designated as like, this token is for this thing, then it could all be automatic, right? Just like easily generated from your wallet address. Because that's the biggest headache right now is I have to come through transactions and try to figure out like, what is this transaction supposed to be classified as? And if I'm wrong, I could potentially get in trouble down the road with the IRS. Yeah. Not that I'm actually concerned about that because it's like, I, I don't have a massive portfolio. I'm small potatoes. Worst case scenario, it's like, oh, you did this wrong. And it's like, oh, sorry, let me fix it and maybe pay a little bit of interest. But yeah, the whole thing does suck. And it's yet another example of how the people who are creating policies, like laws and policies, are very out of touch with what's actually happening in the world. And that's not to say everyone, and it's not to say they aren't in touch with some things, but the whole notion of having like one representative who is a proxy for a state, for example, right? And like a state in the US can sometimes be larger than countries put together in other in other parts of the world. So we're we're talking about we're talking about just like one person who's the proxy representative for hundreds of thousands, millions of people. That person's not gonna understand every possible topic that could be legislated on. Like that feels wild to me. It almost feels like we should use crypto to change the way that we do democracy, right? Where I can tokenize my votes and I can grant my votes on different topics to different people that I trust. You, you know what I mean? Instead of saying we've got one representative to represent me in everything, it's like, oh, I trust Nick when it comes to crypto matters. And I trust so-and-so when it comes to defense matters. And I trust this other person when it comes to these other matters. And that way, you can actually like have your view represented on a more granular level. I don't know, spitballing. <laughs> and like this also comes from like, we're both American citizens. I was born and raised in the US. I don't know where exactly you were born and raised, but Same. and I've traveled to a handful of other countries and I, I love talking with people from other countries that either have never been to the US or have been like maybe once in their life. I love getting that viewpoint of outside looking in. And this obviously comes from the viewpoint of people from the U.S. And like we have granted a much different viewpoint of how the world works because of our life experiences. And there's a lot of systems that need to be built and frameworks and hopefully they will be. Yeah, really the last few hundred years has just been this process of the world getting smaller, right? And crypto feels like another logical step in that. It's the next big step in it. Yeah, you can easily transact with people anywhere in the world. And it feels like we still have systems that are based 
too heavily on geographic boundaries. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have any geographic related systems. That's not me saying no countries or no states or no counties. But I think a lot of our systems are still too heavily gated based on location. And even just the last three years from the from sort of the start of the COVID pandemic to now, it's like everything is remote. Location is irrelevant. Who knows how long it'll take for our systems to catch up to that. Um, anyway, this whole thing was like a wild tangent. I have no idea how we got started talking about taxes. Yeah, It's all it, because I can't get my Saga phone yet. It's all because of the Saga. If Yeah, Saga, Solana Mobile. If you would just send Nick a Saga, we wouldn't have gone on this 12, 13-minute tangent about taxes. Um, I mean, that's probably fine. Taxes are fair. And so shout out, huge shout out to the Saga team and the Solana Mobile team. I'm actually actively in Discord chat with one of them trying to figure out my personal phone situation. The tech that the Solana Mobile team have put together is just, it's revolutionary not only for the crypto space and blockchain and specifically solana but it's the next stepping stone and anatoly and raj have talked about this many times in public same with austin federa and all the big names like the power that the solana mobile is gonna unlock and having the ability to have a mobile first experience with crypto is going to easily expand the total market and the total amount of users and people that are actually able to use crypto and whatnot around the world, like it is amazing. And I'm so excited for it. I am so excited to get it. I don't think I said this on when we were recording, but like I, I finished my order this morning. So I'm just sitting here like waiting to get an email that it's shipped and, and that it'll be headed my way. So freaking excited to, to get that phone. That being said, I'm like an interesting level of excited about it because I, I'm an iOS developer, right? I wouldn't say I'm loyal to Apple in the sense that I love Apple just because, but I know the ins and outs of Apple devices, and that's mostly what I use. And while I'm super excited about Saga, I also don't see that changing anytime soon for me. Like, I don't see Saga as, as being my personal device. I could be wrong, by the way. I could get one and be just wildly blown away and be like, oh, I'm, my iPhone is now going to be a dev device for, you know, when I make iOS apps for clients and Saga is going to be my walking around device. I don't know. But regardless, I'm super excited about the Saga as a forcing function for Apple, Google, etc., implementing similar types of features on their hardware. Yeah, not only the hardware, but the software side too. With Solana Mobile is coming the Dapp Store, the decentralized app store, which from from all the public information that I've read about it, there's going to be zero fees charged to the publishers, unlike on Google Play Store and the Apple App Store, where publishers and developers are getting charged between 15 and 30% or something like that on yeah. any, any amount of income they generate from it. The Solana Dapp Store is not going to have that, which is really cool in itself. I'm trying to think. I remember hearing that in, I think by 2025, don't quote me on the exact date, but sometime in the next couple of years, the European Union has passed laws that says something to the effect that big companies like Apple are going to have to open up their ecosystem more to allow for other publishers and other app stores to be published on their phones. So you're going to have alternate options to the Apple App Store on an Apple device. That's super interesting. I think, 
I think is going to be really, really cool. And it'll probably be a couple of years after that until it hits the U.S. and, and other markets. But just that that as a whole, opening it up is going to be great. I remember when iPhones first came out and the iPod Touch first came out. I had an iPod Touch. And I remember jailbreaking it and getting the City about to App say, Store. jailbreak everything. Yes. <laughs> I remember jailbreaking it way before I even had my first Android device. And just having the option to have other applications that were made and not not officially sanctioned by Apple, you know, it's amazing. Especially since you could get like really cool open source things. Yeah, I think that'll happen. And and by the way, me saying that I'm like an Apple fanboy in no way means that I wouldn't be in favor of those sorts of change those sorts of changes you you just suggested. I think anyone who uses a Mac, for example, knows like there is an app store and that makes it very convenient to download sort of mainstream apps but you can also download apps for your mac outside of that and it's not it's not a big deal and you can sort of say like yes i trust this developer and it loads just fine sort of thing i would very much be in favor of that sort of approach on an iphone where it's like you can still use apple's app store and you do still have to pay fees to them in exchange for any apps that are downloaded through there and maybe that's worth it to you and your business for that distribution system but also there are other ways to to download you know get apps outside of that i think i think that would be super valid and i'd absolutely be in favor of some sort of regulation there because it, it it does feel very much um it's a nuanced line at what point is this like a monopoly versus monopolistic competition versus an oligopoly there's all sorts of economic terms for different things but absolutely i think i think we could open it up a little bit without compromising security i think that's probably the biggest thing that apple cites is their their reason for having a singular app store i that's not bullshit by the way like that there's there's something to that but also i think it's too restrictive and they could find ways to be secure and protect consumers without saying this is the only way to get apps yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, like, think of how many, like, computer viruses have been rampant in the wild for Apple devices. Like, almost none. There's been a handful yep. of zero-day exploits that organizations and potentially even governments have used. But compare that to Windows, like, yeah. effectively zero, which is which is amazing for the consumer. If you're yeah, someone absolutely. who's like, I'm going to use a more open system in exchange for me having to be more security conscious, that's totally fine. I also think it's totally fine, and this is what I've done, is like, I just want my thing to work and I don't wanna have to worry about whether I did something wrong <laughs> and, and you know, let a virus onto my computer. And I'm willing to give up some of that like extra, um, I don't know, op openness or, or flexibility maybe is the word for it. Optionality, that, maybe. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly the right word. Thank you, optionality. That being said, again, the wonderful thing about crypto is that it can probably help alleviate a lot of this, right? Like crypto is about being able to open, expand your options while maintaining security, right? That's the whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, is yeah. is let's allow transactions between people and I don't mean transactions as in financial transactions let's allow people to interact in such a way that it is trustless and permissionless and verifiable by any party like cryptography is amazing holy shit that's no, cryptology is 
is just, and I am definitely not smart enough to understand how like most cryptology works, but I just, I'm just so fascinated by it. I tweeted about this the other day that I wanted to dig deeper into Solana runtime. Part of that, and I didn't like tweet this specifically, but part of that is that is I do want to dig into the math a little bit more. I remember the first time they showed me the I don't remember which function exactly it was, but one of one of the signing functions behind certificates, like the certificate chain of trust on your SSL certificates and SSL a browser. certificates and the certificate authority is all with that. Yeah, and okay. I was mind blown. I was like, you're kidding me. How is this even possible? And how did anyone ever discover this sort of thing? And honestly, I haven't dug deep since then because I'm an application layer developer. I've never needed to go too deep. If we want to like get philosophical about education and pedagogy for a second, when I'm teaching, people will often ask, why do I need to know X? I'm never going to do that. And my answer is always, you need to go two levels deeper than what you think your job is. That's my like personal heuristic because you will inevitably end up with problems at an application layer where you need to go one level deeper, maybe two to solve some interesting bugs, depending on the system you're working on. It's like, maybe that means, so you're a Swift developer doing iOS stuff. Maybe you need to know some Objective-C because a lot of the APIs that you're using in iOS use Objective-C and Hey, it would be great if you also knew some C because a lot of the APIs are in C and it also just gives you like a, a foundational understanding of how object-oriented programming works, right? And that's not the only way to go deep, by the way. Like I just chose languages because it's an easy one to talk about. Because this is a developer-themed podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, ish, kind of. And taxes <laughs> and sorry. <laughs> we don't know what it is yet. I don't even know. We're all over the place today, if I'm being honest, but I that's love it. That's fine. So I feel like I have that. Most of the programming I do, I know a couple levels deeper than that, and we're good. And I pride myself in that. But I want to get even deeper, even if it's just for my own knowledge sake, even if I never use it for a client. I would love to feel like, yeah, I, I really know the ins and outs of the Solana runtime. If I needed to, I could join the Solana core team in building out some some new stuff and fixing some bugs and that kind of thing. That would be That would be fucking awesome. I just don't know Rust yet. I got to learn it. It's on my... You still don't my, know Rust? I know. I've been like tinkering with it. I'm like very... Still very new to it. Like I'm not I'm not a giga brain like Armani, okay? To, just, to, any, to just, any listeners, don't take me, my exasperated, you don't know Rust to Nick as meaning that you are less than if you don't know Rust. It's totally fine if you don't know Rust. I'm just giving Nick a hard time because he should know Rust. Um, I, I didn't learn Rust until this past year when I started doing Solana stuff. It's actually understandable that you don't because you're you have a full time job that is not Solana focused at all. In fact, the fact that you're an amazing dev as is 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 pretty amazing, right? I'm gonna oh, give shucks. you give you that credit real real fast because that's not your full time job, right? Like you don't work as a developer. I do not. Is this the reveal? Is this a segue? <laughs> is this the reveal into your job? We talked about sure. that last time, didn't we? That I was like. Do you- Let's do it. We're se- we're segueing. That's good. With that segue in mind, I am not a developer for my actual day job. Not yet, at least. And I, I don't currently work full-time in crypto or in software development. I'm actually technically right now still active duty military 
in the United States Navy. I work on submarines and in the uh, engineering department on submarines. So I do like this like weird combination of nuclear engineering and electrical engineering and mechanical engineering all like merged in and then also instructing on top of that. I run a like nuclear reactor and engine room simulator that we just do all sorts of crazy stuff with to stress engineering departments on how to operate their plants and their submarines. So that's like what I actually do. You realize that sounds nuts to the average person. <laughs> like uh, yeah. like you're you're talking about running a simulation on how people run their nuclear plants on a submarine casually underwater. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's there you go. So you for, said for, for who you listens, said for now. Are you gonna leave that as a as a cliffhanger? Ooh, yeah. Or that'll be a that'll be a cliffhanger for this one. Another cliffhanger. It'll just we'll just slowly trickle out my life story. I know that's yeah that's becoming your niche is just to like drop tidbits about yourself and not give the rest of the info. Love that. I'm okay with that. Well, we're in the middle of the Sandstorm Hackathon. We mentioned that last week. Do you have, have you like talked to anyone who's doing it and figured out like what people are working on and building? So I haven't really talked to anyone that's like openly announced that they're going to participate, but I got a chance to look at all of the public tracks that are going to be occurring. There are, I think, don't quote me on this, but like 200, $250,000 worth of reward money out there for the top projects, which is really cool. And we'll have a link in the show notes for all of the tracks and all the details in case you live in under a rock. You, in case you live inside of a rock, you can check out the link in the show notes for Sandstorm details. There's a bunch of tracks and, and kind of all over the place of what people can and cannot build. And one of the things that I want to point out is that there are, A, there's a bonk track. And the description for bonk was just bonking with bonk. bonk. Something like that. So there's, there's the bonk shout out for the episode. But one of the cool things is that projects that open source their code are open for bonuses with the prize monies and the winnings for the hackathon, which is awesome because the whole Solana community is really pushing to try to get more open source projects out there, reference implementations for everything that's going on and, and really cool projects. Um, so if you are participating in any of the hackathon events, make sure you also check the descriptions for each of those tracks that you're applying to because some tracks do require you to open source your code as part of applying to it. Other tracks do not. So keep in mind based off whichever track you're thinking about applying to. I'm not going to lie. The one that caught my eye the most was local dev tooling, which sounds unexciting if you're not a dev, but I feel like if you're a Solana dev, you're like, oh yeah, I want better tooling for my local dev environment. I thought about that so much and wanted to, like, don't get me wrong. Everything I say here is not to knock on those who have already made dev tooling, right? Think like Anchor and that sort of thing. Amazing things have happened in the last couple of years to take Solana from not existing to being where it is today, but it's still just so young. So as a dev, I'm over here like, yeah, the tooling could be better. Things could be automated more. I'm watching that track very closely. If I felt like I 
had a little bit more time right now. There's some things I would love to build myself, but it's just realistically not going to happen. So I've got my eyes on the submissions there and I'm super interested in what comes out of that. Yeah, I think that's a good track to to keep in mind or to pay attention to. I think I'm probably most excited about the social web app track. So with like mm. all the craziness that's happened with Twitter and Twitter's kind of universally accepted as the techie home of the internet. And with all the craziness that has happened the last couple of months with Twitter and other social networks that they're becoming more restrictive, which is really ironic based off of the public statements made by the individual that bought it. I think having more user-friendly, having like a really good UX experience, which I guess is redundant, having really good UX for, I'll say it, for normies, for regular people to try to experience and to successfully experience what blockchain can do. I think realistically, like social media, social networks is kind of the thing that's going to bring all that together. Think about when Facebook first really got traction and became so popular. Like I don't use Facebook. I don't believe in what Facebook stands for anymore. But all the traction that the internet got because of social media, like it's social media is the way of getting everyone to accept crypto and to accept blockchain technology. So it's I'm really excited to see what happens and what gets built in the social media tracks or the social web app track. That's an interesting take. I don't know what I think. I feel like mass adoption is only going to come when people don't know or have to accept crypto, right? Like it just is what is underpinning things. Like, for example, we talked about certificate, like, you know, chains of, of trust on SSL certificates. Nobody knows what that is. Nobody knows that's what's happening in their browser. It just is happening. I think I I think the future where everybody uses crypto is 98% of people don't know they're using crypto in the same way that 99 plus percent of people have no idea what an SSL certificate is. But that's just me personally. Although I agree that social could be a huge part of onboarding the people who make that happen. Absolutely. You know, I mean, like think of to, to circle back to your point about people not knowing like the Starbucks rewards program, granted it's on Polygon, so shade, but the Starbucks reward program is it's underpinned by crypto. It's underpinned by blockchain technology. And if you've read any of the press reports or the press releases by Starbucks, they don't really say that. They don't use the term NFT. They don't explicitly really talk about crypto or blockchain. They just say buzzwords like digital assets and ownership and things like that. But it's underpinned by blockchain technology and I think it was at Breakpoint when Instagram announced that Instagram creators could publish their artwork and artwork from their profile minted as an NFT within Instagram. How that works, I don't know. I don't use Instagram at all, but there was some announcement about that. And it's like all of these, what we would normally consider like Web2, there's all these legacy companies are starting to slowly adopt it as it becomes more and more stable and more and more performant as time goes on yeah it's cool stuff though i'm excited i know i pointed out one track in particular but i'm excited just in general right like super super stoked to see what comes out in in DeFi and liquid staking and everything here i know a bunch of people put this together but big shout out to mert i know mert did a lot to to kick off lamp or dow happening the hackathon happening it's awesome to have certain 
people become public figures to sort of galvanize the community, especially the last few months. Things have been like all over the place. Obviously, like Bonk was big and in, in getting getting people hyped again. Who knows what's happening with Bonk now? You can be now be less and less sad about having sold it. I think I said this last time that it's like you either sell too soon or you sell too late. I'm on the trajectory of selling too late, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Anyway, yeah, I think we probably wrap this up, right? All right, let's wrap it. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. See y'all next week, I guess.